time when we hear our gospel reading for the day. The gospel reading comes from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. It'll be the first eight verses. And I just ask that you hear these words of our Lord. As he was coming out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Teacher, look, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Jesus replied to him, You see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left on another which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be fulfilled? Jesus began to say to them, Be careful and see to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, misusing my name, or claiming to be the Messiah, saying, I am He, and will deceive and mislead many. When you hear of wars or rumors of wars, do not be alarmed, frightened, or troubled. These things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These things are the beginning of the birth pangs. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Isn't that true today? Isn't that true today? Yes, it is. So let's let's go back to this first verse when Jesus and the disciples are leaving the temple, and some some disciples said, "Look at this! Isn't this grand? Look at these the temple walls and the buildings. They're wonderful." And maybe the reason he said that is the temper, temple was being refurbished shined up, rebuilt. It actually began 15 years before Jesus was born. Herod the Great, he's the one who began to remodel it, rebuild the temple. It had stood for 500 years. It needed a little touching up, some new paint. So it must have, must look marvelous. And this story, we hear it in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, besides what we read today. And then Jesus tells them after they say, look at this, isn't this grand looking? He says, you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left on another which will not be torn down. So later when they're alone, we hear that some of the disciples kind of go up privately to Jesus and say, hey, it's, a, it's like a two-part question. When is this going to happen? And what are going to be some signs? They're curious. They want to know, hey, I can't believe you said the temple's going to get torn down. And in that question, and maybe even more with the answer that Jesus gives, not just in the verses we read, but if you continue reading on in the 13th chapter, Jesus is for tying together the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem with the end times. That could be why they were so curious. 
They, they have this deep concern. When is this going to happen? Tell us, when will these things happen? What will be a sign when all these things are about to be fulfilled? And we know from history, it really didn't take that long. They finished building, refurbishing the temple around A.D. 64. In 70 A.D., because of a, a revolt in the, in the Hebrew people in Jerusalem, the Roman leader at that time came in, destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. It was destroyed completely. The prophecy of Jesus that came true, not that many years. We think, we think he died somewhere in the mid-30, 33, 34 A.D. They started writing the Gospel of Mark and Luke and Matthew somewhere in the 40 to 45 so these are floating around in the in the churches the meetings of these believers where Jesus is prophesizing about the temple being destroyed and it comes true in many of their lifetimes so they must have said wow this must be the end time Jesus is coming back I'm ready and the truth is ever since Jesus ascended that's when the, I believe the end times began. He rose from the dead, walked the earth for 40 days, and ascended to heaven. The end times began into our present time. We've been living in this liminal space. The end times are here, but they're not being fulfilled. And ever since then, every generation we have people say, it's going to happen this day. This is the year Jesus is coming back. It's going to be the end of the world. Most of us are old enough to know we all thought it was the year 2000. Remember, the world was going to be devastated when we hit the year 2000. Ever since then, people have been looking for the return of Jesus Christ. And that's why I want to spend time on what Jesus said in verse 5. It made it our, our memory verse for the day. It's short and sweet. Jesus said, be careful and see to it that no one misleads you. The King James and the NIV, they use deceive. Take heed that any man deceives you or watch out that no one deceives you. Every person who has given a date and time when this is the year Jesus is coming back, guess what? They've all been wrong. We're still here. And we know that because Jesus said later on in, in the 13th chapter that verse 26 that when he returns he's going to return the son of man Jesus is going to be returned in the clouds with great power and glory there's not going to be one person on earth who isn't sure that hey I think Jesus is here when Jesus returns everyone's going to know it it's not up to anyone to try and figure out when that's going to be in verse 32 Jesus says but of that is exact day or hour no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son in His humanity, but the Father alone. Jesus is saying, hey, right now at this time when I'm walking the earth, I don't even know when it's going to be. You know, our purpose, our mission, is to be ready, ready ourselves. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, next decade. We don't know. We shouldn't worry about it. The most important thing is, are you ready? Are you ready for when Jesus returns? And 
for me, the only thing I need, the only thing you need is to be ready, is to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Do you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you Christ as your Lord and Savior in your life? You know, when we have that, that's what we can lean on no matter what's going on in our lives. The opening hymn we sang, Blessed Assurance. I, I like to think of my faith as a, blessed, as a blessed assurance that no matter what's going on in my life, I have the assurance of my eternal destination with the presence of God. Anyone who has gained that eternal assurance, then we need to move out out into the world, out into the people in our lives, to engage them, to encourage them, to equip them so that they too may have that blessed assurance. Anytime I'm talking with people and they say, I'm not sure what God wants me to do, I always say, check out the last words of the Gospel of Matthew in 28, the last words of Jesus, he tells us, to go therefore and make disciples, helping people learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. And we do that so other people can gain the blessed assurance that we have in our lives. And to do that, in my opinion, one of the most important things for Christians to do, to make sure we're doing, is to make sure we're following the actual Jesus. The Jesus that we're shown about in God's Word. And when I say Christian education, most people think of Sunday school, Sunday morning, whether it's children or adults. I just think Christian education is an important part of everyone's faith in growing in our knowledge about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. What are we doing to educate ourselves about Jesus Christ? Jesus says we can remain faithful if we stay prepared. Watch out that no one deceives you. Jesus says that because he's saying that the, the arguments and the proof that are people going to say, see, this is the proof from people who are deceiving will be so convincing it's going to be hard not to be led astray. I like how the Message Bible puts that verse. It says, Jesus said, watch out for doomsday deceivers. Many leaders are going to show up with forged identities claiming, I'm the one. They will deceive a lot of people. Jehovah's Witnesses, the Church of Latter-day Saints, also called the Mormons, Seventh-day Adventists, they all align themselves closely to Christianity, but they're all cults. They take some, but they leave out the important thing. Each one's a little different. They have millions of followers. They've been deceived. And the sad part is, many of them know the Bible, God's Word, better than most Christians do. Because they will use certain verses to prove to you. Last week we recited the Apostles' Creed. And I always say, keep that close by 
Anytime you have doubts about what your faith is and what you believe, you can recite that. Read that over. That shows we believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. That's the, the Trinity, the triune God that we and all Christian faiths worship. And we're called Christians because our faith is based on Jesus Christ. The Son of God, the second person of the triune God. God, Jesus, came to earth in human form, in full humanity, to pay the price for the sins of the world. He also came to give us an example of how to live. We have the four Gospels given the story of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and his teachings. So if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, we want to be Christians. We need to know how he lived and what he taught. And the important reason for that is often people will take Christ and they want to align Jesus with their own belief, their own agenda, if you will. So it makes it easier to agree. Again, they can use a couple of verses of Scripture. We want to make sure we're following the actual Jesus and not a false Christ created by someone with an agenda to lead people astray. Be careful to see to it that no one misleads you. And that's only one of several warnings Jesus gives throughout the Gospels. He warns of the wolves in sheep's clothing. So with all this warning us, don't be deceived. How can I how can I tell from following the actual teachings of Jesus? And the first thing I think we should do is prioritize knowing God's word in our lives for ourselves. And it can be looked upon as part of our life's work. We have, as long as we're here on earth, to learn and study God's word for ourselves. And there's going to be seasons where it's going to be very fruitful. You're going to learn many things. There's going to be seasons when it's going to seem barren, but we're still, God's going to work through us. We're still going to stay attached to the vine that is Jesus Christ, and it's through His Word, I believe, that we can do that. That being said, whether you read a devotion, which are wonderful daily devotions, or you hear a preacher preach on a couple verses on a Sunday morning, or even watching on the Internet nowadays, it's a good start. But again, I think it takes personal time to study. Maybe something bugs you, something you've heard. If you have a good study Bible, and there's many variations, it can help you learn. And the best God I know is God's Word. Jesus says later on in the 13th chapter of Mark, in verse 31, He says, Heaven and earth shall pass away but my words will not pass away. And here we are, we have them for all time. We need to know what God's Word says and what it means for our lives if we want it to be our guidebook for our faith and our way we live. Verse 6 said, Many will come in my name, saying, I am He, and will deceive and mislead many. Teaching and preaching God's Word is something I take very seriously. Yet, 
this may surprise some of you. Daphne's not here to, to agree with me, but I make mistakes. I'm imperfect. All pastors, all preachers, all teachers, all leaders are imperfect. All men. <laughs> I believe that most mistakes are honest. You know, we just make a mistake and they're not meant to lead people astray. Yet there are leaders, and Christ tells us there are some who want to purposely dis mislead you. The prosperity gospel is not a gospel of Jesus Christ. Send your check to me, and it will be returned to you within a matter of days. Again, it's taking a few verses to make it fit instead of the whole of God's Word. No one's perfect. We're all imperfect, including the teachers and the leaders. And I've been influenced and mentored by many imperfect men and women <coughs> of various faiths and denominations. Many, when I talk to people, we call them homebound. I don't like calling that. It's just they aren't coming to Sunday service, especially with what's going on in the pandemic. They aren't able to. But when I talk to many of them, they say, yeah, I still have church Sunday. I watch TV. There's this preacher I like. And that's nothing wrong with that. As long as we realize they're not perfect either because they're still staying in tune. And as I said, God can work through my imperfections, that preacher on TV, his imperfections, and the person who's receiving the, the Word of God, their imperfections. God can still work through our imperfections. That's the good news. Again, the Apostles' Creed is a great baseline. If we have a question, crack open God's Word, let Pastor know. You know, I've been thinking about this. I love to have talks about different beliefs. You know, we all, we're Methodists. We're United Methodists. We're based on John Wesley and Wesleyan theology. We have the Catholics. We have the Baptists. We have the Protestants. Pentecostals. They're all Christian churches, just different denominations. They hold things like communion and baptism in different ways. No one's wrong and no one's right because they all agree that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, how close we hold on to those denominational beliefs, that's called a dogma, these denominational beliefs about faith. It's what we believe about faith, but it's called a dogma. And that's important, but not to get in the way of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Many years ago, I was flipping through the channels on TV like I, I do regularly still. And there, there's a well-known televangelist who I, 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 had, I didn't like him very much. He was sitting behind a desk and he said these words that I'll never forget. I probably said this before, but he said, don't let your dogma become your idol. It's so true. Don't let your dogma become your idol. Now, Carl Barth, another well-known theologian, he wrote this huge uh, thing called the dogma, dogmatic, church dogmatics. It's 20-some volumes. But he said the word of God is above all dogma, as is the heavens are above the earth. 
you know, whenever I have a doubt about something I hear, I, I, I go to God's Word. When I'm preparing my messages, I'll say, I think I want to say this, and wait a minute, I'm not sure if that's true. I will study. You know, that's part of the, my job is to study and make sure what I'm saying is true, not just with that verse, but is that what the whole story of God says in this book? There's truths that run through, and the easiest way to tell is God never contradicts God. Never. If you hear something that goes against something that God's Word says about God Himself, it can't be true because God never contradicts God. It seems like a lot to understand than it is, but that's the good news. We have the rest of our lives. I'm always there to help answer questions. That's why God gives us the rest of our earthly lives to grow in the, the knowledge of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And may these words of Christ dwell with you always. Be careful and see to it that no one misleads you. Amen.